and welcome to The Breadwinners. I'm Jennifer Owens. I'm Rachel Ellison. Ah, already making you laugh and we're like 10 seconds in. <laughs> <laughs> so this is the show where we talk about everything work and family. And this week we're talking about vacation. Woo! <laughs> but not a vacation from rating and reviewing our show. We must remain ever vigilant. <laughs> And then we have the socials, right, Raquel? We do. We do. Check us out on Twitter, on Instagram, on all the, all the places. You know, wherever you want. I mean, wherever. we're there. And we've got merch. Oh, my God. Yes. Tell me about the merch. <laughs> I am wearing my breadwinner sweatshirt right now as we speak. <gasps> we've got, just check out our store. You can find them in our socials. You can find links to our to our whole array of merch, and we would love for you to get your gear. Be a breadwinner, wear it loud and proud. Even though that's not what I'm wearing right now, you know, full transparency, I'm wearing my cardiac kids from the early 80s Cleveland Browns t-shirt right now. So sorry about that, but I am a breadwinner. <laughs> I will change after this. <laughs> Anywho, how's your breadwinning going? How's your non-breadwinning? Are you having any fun? I am, <laughs> I'm getting a new house together, a new Woo! bread. So Wait, are you winning bread? And is that bread building a house? It is, it is. So that is my, that's my whole deal these days. Uh, it's so exciting. I mean, we just did renovation on our son's bedroom and uh -huh. that was super exciting and uh, very nice to have uh, walls that don't crumble when you touch them. I know it's amazing. I'll <laughs> brag. <laughs> uh, uh, I want to send a shout out to our breadwinner super fan, Takeda Mason Battle, who is doing the work and the parenting and everything that comes from having a full-time gig and really little kids. So uh, I thought I'd date myself as I do a hee-haw salute. Salute! <laughs> did I just, did, do you even know the hee-haw salute? I like vaguely <laughs> know that's a thing. Did you not grow up in Ohio in the 70s? I did not. <laughs> well, Takeda, thank you for listening. We hear you. We send you all the breadwinning love. Oh, my God. We do. Oh, my God. So we're going to continue our deep dive into doing, into, you know, looking at topics of things we just all know, all know about being working parents and breadwinning. And this week it's going to be summer vacation because it's looming on the horizon. And we're going to talk about how did it come to pass that schools were organized to start around Labor Day and end in June, which is at least how we roll in New York City. How, how's it roll with you guys? Is it still Labor yeah, Day in June? Same. Really? My uh, niece and nephew, I would always uh, look to see about having them come babysit and their calendar. They would start school in like August and <laughs> like I, I blink at it. Their, their school year would be done. It never lined up. So I, I think NYC is holding on to you know, the good old days of Labor Day to oh, June. Labor Day, yeah. So you guys too, because um, uh, you just see more and more where they're starting in like, you know, August 4th. No, no. So, all right. Well, we're going to start with math class. Okay. Are you ready? I know how much you love a math quiz. <laughs> oh, uh, go sorry. for it. 
I'm sorry to pepper this to you. Okay. So we're going to start with summer vacation. It's usually eight to nine weeks long, which is about 40 to 45 work days. Uh huh. And then there's all the other scattered days throughout the year. In June, it's the worst time of the year. I'm here to editorialize to say that sucks. And do you know, quick pop quiz in my math class, mm-hmm. how many school holidays there are? Oh, how many school holidays? Like, Yeah, how many days like off from school off? Once, once school starts? How many days off from school will your kids have during the school year? I don't know. 30. Oh, I was going to guess in the 20s, but. <laughs> so so we've got 40, 45 uh, days for summer vacation. We've uh-huh. got about 30 days for school holidays. We also in New York City have things like the weeks given to the state regents exam. And of course, the makeup state regents exam. By the way, this uh, test has been canceled in recent years due to COVID, but the days off still remain. Half days and late start days. Do you know how much this all just added up to in terms of days with no childcare or school? Like 100 days. 80 days. 80, 80. days pl- or about 16 weeks. So it's 180 days of school and 80 days of no child care or school. And how much PTO are you getting these days? I, I'm getting 15, by the way. So. 15 PTO? Yeah. I'm getting, what am I getting? Yeah, I'm getting 15. Or am I getting 20? Ooh, well, you know, you're really cutting into that 80 days right there. So, you know. <laughs> so uh, here's the extra credit. When was the last time you planned a vacation that didn't have to be carefully slotted into the school calendar to deal with days off? Mm, <laughs> two thousand and right. I don't know five for me. Yeah, two thousand ten maybe. Yeah, it's the math is not in our favor. Is that you know which. This is not a surprise to anyone who has kids, but it's not in our favor. We start in a deficit and, you know, we're going to take a break right here to answer the eternal breadwinner's question. How did we get here? Okay. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. We're back and we're about to move into our history class now, as in the history of the school calendar. So here's my first fun fact. Our school calendar is about 125 years old. Really? Yeah. 
It's it, it, isn't that a funny age when you think like it's not two hundred, it's not a thousand, it's it's not forty years old. It's one hundred and twenty five years old. And you know they always say that the school calendar is you know agrarian, but sure. actually you have to go back even earlier than one hundred and twenty five years when that was actually true. Because when it was, it, there was a time when our school calendar was agrarian-based and going on the cycle of, of whatever the farmers needed. And it included a short winter term and a short summer term because, of course, that makes more sense. So because the kids in the rural agricultural areas were needed most in spring when you have to plant the crops and in the fall when the crops are harvested and sold. So... Many attended school in the summer because there was less need for them on the farm. Isn't that crazy? Like yeah. I've always thought about like, wait, about wouldn't this be the fall? And it's true. Yeah. When we actually did the agrarian calendar, we went to school in the summer. Ah. So we're going to be hearing from a guy, Kenneth Gold. He's a historian at the College of Staten Island, and he's written a book called Schools in the History of Summer Education in Public Schools. And he says that the whole idea of an agrarian calendar makes it sound like it was an unthinking decision. This is just when we'll need the kids. But the current school year was a very conscious creation. Was it? Because urban schools have different needs. And so they have a very different school uh, schedule, but it too early on included summer. So school was essentially open year round, but it wasn't mandatory and children came when they could, which makes me think of our discussion about like the armory. Is it the Springfield armory with Rosie the, you know, like it's like childcare more so with a bit of education thrown in. In 1842, New York City schools were open 248 days a year versus the 180 that we now have, which uh, seems to me that it was kind of a, you know, it's just like if you could send your kids, you would. If you needed care, you had it. They're just open, which I'm sure was super fun for teachers having kids drop in and out of school (laughs) at their leisure, you know. Right, right. I was just also actually listening to a history podcast, The Dollop, which I love, talking about kids in the turn of the century going into the 1800s and how kids worked 14-hour days, like starting at like age seven to go into all the, the mills, the wool mills in New England, because they could get in and out through the tiny you know machinery and all this. <laughs> like, yay. So when that kid had a day off, he, he could go to school is basically what we're saying. So. <laughs> okay, so summer vacation. So we don't get summer vacation until the late 19th century, which at that moment, how people saw a good school was how many days it was open. So that's that was your KPI, is how many days of school there was, was how many days it was open. So Often, the financial state of the district determined how long the school could be open, so poorer schools districts couldn't Uh, be open as long. And so schools with longer calendars were often perceived by the general public as being more effective. Wow. Right? It's kind of... Yeah, like that's where the, which is so different. I shall now go, uh, I'm signposting right now that I'm going on my, I was an education reporter for many years, that 
in Ohio, where there is a tax cap, which has been ruled unconstitutional, but has yet to ever be fixed. I think it was 1983 that the Ohio Supreme Court said it was unconstitutional. You have to keep going back to the public for the millage stays the same, even if your property values go up, which chokes the school districts. When they go to the public for more funding, the public, nine times out of 10, doesn't want to vote for more millage. Who does? But they will more aptly vote for bond votes where you build a building where they can see it. When you do operational millage to pay for teachers and the like, it's really, really hard to get those things passed. And I find it kind of funny that like back in the 1800s, it was like how the operational made us seem more wealthy, not the fancy new building made us seem Mm. like, you know, anyway, just how things changed. So yeah, interesting. So in as early as 1684, there was a grammar school in Massachusetts, and that required 12 months of education. So we're starting out with a whole thing, right? It's, we didn't always think it was 180 days. So in the beginning of the 19th century, the large cities, now we've gone from 12 months down to about 260 days. The rural schools, you know, not as fancy as the urban ones, were only open for about six months of the year, kind of seen as like the low-rent low school districts. And you also had school districts making their calendars in the 1800s around the needs of the community. So like, oh, uh, if you had a big fall harvest, that'd be September and October, you'd be off. Or So uh, schools are all over the place. You know, they, it, you're kind of making it, it, they're very locally run, the, the districts. But by the 1900s, now we've kind of shrunk the amount of actual school days down to 180 days and a nine-month calendar. And so it it was all over the place. It kind of shrinks and shrinks into something that's a bit uniform. And this is when the school reformers are starting to say, we need to standardize the school calendar across rural and urban areas and bring them together. And so that's what there was a bit of a compromise as to what the rural needed, what the urbans were offering. And that's basically where we get the calendar structure that we now have. Interesting. Hmm. So the idea was that the long break would give teachers time to train and would give kids a break. Also, now you have wealthy and middle-class folks saying they want to get away from the heat. So give us summer off and we're going to go up to the Catskills or wherever you go in other states. So. It had nothing to do with farming. In fact, it's kind of anti-farming. So, <laughs> like, oh. Huh. And I find it so funny because we somehow conflated the early school calendar and with our current, and we say it's agrarian. And it's like, no, it was, you know, it was never, uh, it, that wasn't, no, that's it. I, somehow we skipped over everything that went in between. Huh. And it was never meant to be like, you know, it like struck in stone. This was one of those things where it's like, well, let's try this. And uh, it was, it became the standard and now we can't ever get off of it, I guess. Right. So um, because, you know, uh, the, the summer slide where, you know, the thought that long summer breaks have been shown that cause kids, especially lower income kids to lose ground academically. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, we have it in our house. You know, the, it's a hard, you know, it's like when the babies were in uh, daycare and the lady told me 
the lovely lady who ran our daycare center, she's like, you know, if you keep them on the same schedule, it wouldn't be so hard for us, you know, <laughs> for, for Gwen to try to, you know, go back to sleep on Monday. The same thing for the schools, you know, you're running wild and then it's like, oh, you know, you have to actually learn and show up and do all these things. So um, that summer slide is a thing. I am a huge fan of the idea of year-round school, but here's the thing about year-round school, which is what we're going to talk about next. It's still 180 days. It's just shifted around the year in a different way, which I did not realize. Did you know that? No, I did not. So it's basically, uh, yeah, they just, they do more shorter breaks, but there's a lot of thoughts about that that summer learning break that goes into the slide can you know kind of shorten that and kind of keep it keep kids in a cycle of moving forward. They also think it it reduces teacher and student burnout as well. The advocates say that they uh, the working parents can manage their schedules a little bit better because it's more shorter breaks. Though I I don't, still don't know how you do it if you're. Well, the opponents say that it complicates schedules, takes a financial toll on districts and tourist economies, which, you know, is a thing. And it deprives children of, you know, a break from the classroom and it distracts from other more effective school improvement strategies. Hmm. I don't know. What do you think about year-round schools? Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> I mean, would you rather that there is an issue where the entire economy of this, of childcare is set up for summer camps. You'd have to recast how that stuff is offered, but I think they would. Yeah. Summer camps have been pretty important to me. Yeah. Yeah. No, I don't know about year round school. I like the idea of it being an option. Yeah. But I don't like the idea of it being kind of a. Like the, that's the, that's the answer. I've always thought it would be the answer because of the summer slide business, but Here's the thing, it's been around for, you know, in that 125 years of kind of the codifying the school schedule that we have, mm-hmm. so have year-round schools. And so they, they've been, and in that kind of like 180 days shuffled around the year in a different way. So they've been doing it in Bluffton, Indiana in 1904, Newark, New Jersey in 1912, mm-hmm. um, some school districts in the 20s and 30s in Pennsylvania Nashville, 1925. My favorite is uh, Minot, North Dakota, which is a shout out to our listener, Lori Nitschke, who graduated from there. So they do a thing where the 12-month schools originally called for a two-week vacation during the summer, which was then extended to four. And so these schools were playing with changing the cycle a lot of them did it in the 70s to maximize space, which is funny. Like in my my elementary school years, during the oil crisis, the oil embargo, they consol- they played with the school district, not about the school year, but we had like all of us had like half days and we all consolidated into the same buildings and they had the kids. I don't know. I don't know how that saved any oil because you had to do the bus routes like uh-huh. four times a day instead of two. But anyways. And former NYC mayor, Bill de Blasio, proposed year-round schools on his way out the door last year. So, you know, it's it's been around. So 
how many year-round schools do you think there are in the U.S.? Quizzing is my favorite thing. <laughs> I love quizzing you on numbers. <laughs> um, I've got 20. 133,000. <laughs> <laughs> you know, well, and so the... So here, I'm going to um, give you, this is Horizon Elementary, and give you a quote. Okay. You're going to use your amazing skills of oratory. Yeah. <laughs> I think we're ripe in America to consider doing something a little bit different. We've been working on a model that was established 100 years ago, said David Hornack, the principal of Horizon Elementary School in Michigan, and an advocate of year-round schooling. It's time for all of us in the United States to look at how we're, how and why we're educating kids and look at alternatives. I mean, what do you think? I, it's, because I don't know that the, I don't know, I think there are kids who, who make it through, and then there are kids who don't make it through the current way, way things are structured. And also, 125 years ago, I suspect even though women have been working forever, I think a lot of women were working at their, you know, doing like piecework at their kitchen table. Uh And also we weren't, (laughs) I was just watching some movie. Oh, I was watching a um, gas food and lodging from like 1992 this, uh, Uh this weekend. And those teen girls have no supervision, like none. And so, you know, now you've got, everybody's working, I think it just gets more and more competitive to, you know, get into school and all this sort of stuff. There's a whole, you know, this exclusivity of trying to get, you know, like how many kids apply for college and how many did we reject? Yay, aren't we a great college? All of that set up, like, does this current system work? I'm going to say no on just on the basic need of childcare because it's freaking expensive. Right. To make up all that time. Yeah. But yeah, but I, oh, so here comes, here comes the opposite side. I'm sending it to you. Do you see it? Year-round school is nothing new, said Tina Bruno, the executive director of the Coalition for a Traditional School Year, a nonprofit group of parents and educators based in San Antonio that lobbies against early school start dates. If year-round school was the miracle that we were waiting for, we would have known it 20 years ago. Huh. Yeah. What do you think about that? I don't know, Tina. I don't know. What I love is that there's a nonprofit specifically against not <laughs> like wow. I mean, <laughs> yeah, wow, Tina. I know, Tina. I feel like I don't agree. Yeah, I and also, um, okay, yeah. In some ways, you okay? That I, I get what she's saying. Like, wouldn't this be the magic bullet? Wouldn't we already know it by now? But I. I think we learn different things all the time about what we're actually measuring and looking for from a starting point. Mm -hmm. You know, we learn more about ourselves. We learn more about how children react to things. Also within those structures, it's not just about the calendar dates. It's also about like how they're, some of the year round schools will do like uh, camps during the in-between time, specifically for kids that are starting to fall back a little bit, which I kind of like that, right? Like, Oh, we, you know, while we could take a break right now and we're going to, if, you know, we'd love to have your, instead of doing summer school, it's like constant little extra, you know? Right. Now there is a thing that, you know, she's talking about the start of school. I mean, 
you know, schools were not built to have uh, kids in school when it's like 100 degrees out in August. No, true. So that's one of her things is that, and I, <laughs> I do get, you know, like those, uh, these old buildings, no AC. And she says, as opposed to like, you know, doing retrofitting all these old buildings for AC, why don't you spend that on academic programs? Valid point, Miss Bruno, valid yeah. point. That is a valid point. All right, Coalition for the Traditional. Yeah, you know, she's making her other point is that it's not conducive to high school students who want to take college classes or get a summer job. And it can make it difficult for teachers to further their education because hmm. the whole system is based on the summer off. Right. Which is, you know, I think of it with um, like electric cars, like the early electric cars, where were you charging? You know, that the whole infrastructure is based yeah. on gas stations, you know? No, good point. That you have to change the surrounding structure for it too. So to her point of wouldn't we have known it by now, I don't know if we would have known it by now because I don't know that the structure around it has has changed enough to support it. It's all individual districts doing individual approaches. Right. Who are doing it, you know? They say, she says, also, what will working parents do when children are home for a few weeks, say, in October? What happens when parents have children at both year-round schools and traditional schools and their breaks don't align? Well, that does suck. That's, that's <laughs> that, you know, talk about a silver bullet. That's Miss Bruno's silver bullet. Right yeah, there. exactly. She's, she's not wrong there. Oh, my God. Because it's hard enough when you have two kids at two different schools in the same district. Oh, my God. Are you coming up on that soon? Two kids at two different schools in the same district? Yeah. Yeah, no, we've, we're already there. Oh, you're already there. Oh, my God. Is it, is it the worst? I'm so sorry for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just one kid starts school an hour and a half earlier than the other. Yes, that's, you know, because that's super fun. Yeah. So I am going to give you this link and I've just, uh, we'll put it in the show notes, but it's the New York times did a photo essay of the first day of school in New York city over the years. Okay. And it's just so adorable. It's just the little kids going to school in any era. It's just adorable. So, uh, I'm just, I'm sharing that now, but We'll share it with everyone so you can see it. It's your moment of getting a little dusty in here because it just they're just such adorable Aww. children doing adorable things. But while you look at that, the the upshot is that it truly is one of those things where it's like, well, this is the way the school year, you know, this is the way it was organized when I was a kid. Like, even when I hear that the schools in Ohio start in August, I get this pang of, well, that's not the that's not right. That's not the way it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be, you know, when I was a kid and right. all these stuff were, were decisions made 125 years ago that we're still living with. And so many things, I'm going to go out on a limb and say some things have changed in 125 years. A couple things. A couple things. Changed. There yeah. are, these are really cute pictures. It took me a second. Aren't they? Yeah. I mean, it's it's the first day of school through the decades in New York City. And there's one of like the teacher, like the little boy, he's like all sad and the teacher's talking. You just know, yeah. like, you know, there's a teacher, you know, making a connection and that, you know, that kid's going to love that teacher in like a month. It's going to be like, I love going to school. This is all about yeah. it. Yeah. 
Oh, it's just so freaking cute. And, and so as summer vacation comes, why this topic means so much to me is that for many years and my kids are older now. So it's a little, it's certainly less of a fire drill of like, Oh my God, Oh my God. But figuring out where they will be and what they will be doing for the summer while I worked full time and then trying to call some time together so we could go home and visit my parents or go somewhere and do something. It all has to slot in and then the expense and all of this. And then I think the one that put me over the edge is the week off for the regents test, which isn't really listed in the DOE calendar. They just say regents test, but they don't say, oh, by the way, your kid's going to be off this week. (laughs) Right, right. It's just a lot. It's a lot. And I put it out there that I think that it's, I don't know. It's no year round school is not the silver bullet. It's not it, because it's the same amount. I just have different way of having to cover all these days mm-hmm. as a parent, but I don't know. I think this is, is ripe for reconsideration for us. Yeah. I and I that's... say that for you who has the little kids that are still in school. Yeah. I mean, is there something that would help you or do you not think this is an issue? It was such an issue for me when my kids were younger. No, it's it's a mess. It's such an issue. Um, you know, I don't know. So summer camp. So this is such a privileged perspective, but summer camp played such an important role in my life. Yeah. That I kind of that I, and I'm sending my job. I, I, I don't know. I'm just yeah. thinking about like as a as a so I grew up Jewish. What? I'm still Jewish. It's true. But Jewish summer camp, like that's a big, that's a part, that's a way that I think a lot of kids get yeah. to learn about their identity that way. So I don't know. But at the same time, I think year round schools has its merit and it is incredibly complicated to put all these pieces together. Right. And beyond summer vacation is the, you know, 80 days that you have to figure out during the school year. Like, even if I give you summer, you know, like, even if it's like, okay, we figure that out. I mean, our, our elementary school offered camps for many of the days. Yeah. And that was great. But again, it's, you know, if you can throw money at the problem, there you go. And you have to trust. And I, I did, because it was my kids' teachers. That, That was such, that was such a gift that this, that our elementary school did this stuff. Yeah. And offered this because it was a lot of the same teachers. Did they have a fun time? Eh, kind of. I mean, you also got right. the yelly lady, the lady who was like the, she's like the lady who sat at the front desk and would tell kids where they needed to be for the bus, but always did it in a yelling kind of way. Right. <laughs> Sweetheart. And I ran into her. I get why she does what she does. She's trying to be heard over, you know, a thousand kids all talking at the same time. But you know, it was a little scary when they were younger. I just ran into her on the street and freaked her out because, you know, Gwen is now in college, but which I think probably happens to her every day. But, you know, it was convenient. It was qualified, but it was expensive. And it was just a constant scramble of being trying to stay like a month ahead of your calendar. Yeah. I find that a lot. And I'm not sure what the answer is for that, because how do you not take off for, and this is silly, but like, you know, 
Christmas or Thanksgiving. Okay, a lot of us have those days off, so that's covered. But then, you know, the staff days, they're all in June. And I guess they're getting ready for the next year, but it is the worst. Brooklyn Queens yeah. Day, which is now a, a district-wide thing, that was the one that also put me over the edge, Brooklyn Queens Day. <laughs> yeah, Brooklyn Queens Day. I totally. Yeah. So I don't have an answer for any of this, but I guess my point being is that these were decisions made to try to like compromise between year-round school, like everyday school. And why are we 108? You know, these are compromises that were made at levels above my pay grade that we went from 264 days to 180. And then, you know, plus uh, 80 days, it's 180 days plus 80 days of days off. So I guess you get to the 260 days, but you know, anyways, it's a lot. I can't take it. I can't do the math. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Anywho, well, to that end, thank you for um, going on summer vacation with me. Oh, thank you for taking me. What a trip. Well, and to those who are listening, keep hustling. Keep hustling, friends. Love it. You got this. (laughs) Yeah. This podcast is part of the Sound Advice FM network. Sound Advice FM, women's voices amplified.